In the Beatitudes of St. Luke, the Lord gives us a choice of blessings or woes. He's reaching deep down into our hearts. What he's teaching us is how God works. He's teaching us what he blesses and what he curses. And he's giving us a choice what we want to do. And he's going to respect our freedom. What we mustn't think is that somehow religion is this little corner of my life and everything else is mine and this little corner, that's the part he's going to bless and that's the part that's going to be woes. It's not that at all. It's his world and our world is inside of his world. And so with that we find ourselves having to make decisions. It isn't like there's a religious corner, that's, that's what he's going to judge. It's all of our lives. And if we follow him we get blessed. If we reject his ways we stand under the curse. It's very significant. This is parallel to what Moses did in the Old Testament. Now, he'd just given the children of Israel the law. That included the commandments, but all the other prescriptions. Then he, he lets them choose blessings or curses. A blessing if you follow the law, a curse if you choose not to. He says, I, I call on heaven and earth today to witness against you. I have set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. Choose life that you may live. In other words, you get to pick. But God is going to follow our actions. He's going to respond according to how we've chosen. So that's really the world. That's not the religious corner of my life. That's all of my life. And it's all of the world. When we step out from under his protective blessings, all that's left is the woe. It's very significant. Now again, there, clearly there are behaviors that we have to avoid. We find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the New. Clearly, if we break the commandments, we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. St. Paul, he gives us a great list of those sins. Fornicators and idolaters will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls out the same sins, but he looks down into the roots. The roots are in the heart. He goes down and he says, he says, in the heart, out of the heart come wicked designs, murder, adultery, unchastity, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. All of these things would cut us off from the kingdom. All these things, without repentance, are going to separate us from God's love, from God's mercy. Now again, Jesus sets before us the blessings and the curses. But he goes deeper, not just the behaviors, he's going to look down at our attitudes. So St. Luke begins, Blessed are you who are poor, the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. And then he says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude and insult you, when they denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, how could that possibly be a blessing? Jesus' worldview is this. He acknowledges original sin, that we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're made good because we're images of God, but original sin entered the world through our first parents, and that selfishness has entered into each of us, and there are those who have actually chosen to walk in darkness, the wicked of the world, those who try to overcome in that inner battle and struggle against themselves and their brokenness to try to live just and righteous lives. But this battle is going on in us and in the world all the time. That's really what's happening. He's announcing this. He's acknowledging that. We find the same thing in the beginning of the Gospel of John. And Jesus says, The light came into the world, and the darkness knew it not. He says, Good people, come to the light because it would reveal goodness in their deeds. Wicked people hide from the light because it would reveal wickedness in their deeds. It's the light and the darkness is being played out in our midst. It's really the way the world is. We have to fight that battle, that inward battle, against our own brokenness, against our own temptations, to live that righteous and holy lives. And in the world, we have to oppose the evils that are present among us, 
not just individually, but institutionally and culturally. We oppose that because we have been made light to the world and salt to the earth. That's the mission we've been given. So this is the battlefield. This is what's really going on. Now Luke continues not only with these, these blessings, he's also going to continue with the woes. Woe to you who are rich. You have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now. You will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. You will grieve and weep. Woe when all speak well of you. Their ancestors treated the false prophets in just this way. Again, notice Jesus is going deeper. These attitudes begin to show. Now there's some who think that they're righteous just because they keep the commandments. Yet they're still very far from God. You have to watch for this. It shows in their attitudes. They're people who are always grumpy, always taking offense, always judging others. They have a deeper problem here. Something worse is going on. I mentioned this recently. There's a group that's doing good but quickly takes offense. And they utterly lack joy. Again, joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that the attitudes are in the right place, that you're walking in the right way, that your relationships are in the right order. The joy is one of those fruits that shows that. Now, is Jesus condemning? Is he simply praising poverty and hunger and weeping? Is he condemning riches in a full stomach? It isn't that. You have to look deeper. You have to look more carefully. In St. Augustine's day, there were people who took this passage again in a simplistic sense, and they said the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor, the Lazarus of the world, the hungry and the sorrowing, and all the rich are bad people. Jesus doesn't say that. St. Augustine challenges that notion. And he says, listen, poor man, to my comments and your words. When you refer to yourself as Lazarus, that holy man covered with wounds, I'm afraid that your pride makes you describe yourself incorrectly. Do not despise rich men who are merciful, who are humble, or to put it briefly, do not despise the poor rich man. O oh, poor man, be poor yourself, that is, humble. So Lazarus was placed in the, in the bosom of Abraham. Abraham was a very rich man in his day. But he was, he was a poor man because he was humble. And so Augustine is going to look deeper than that. There are many rich people in the world who are detached from their riches. They don't live their wealth. They don't shine with their wealth. They don't show off all of their wealth. Sometimes they, they live below the standard they could have taken for themselves. They live a humble life. They're not trying to make a show of themselves. They're very humble about it. And they're very good and they're generous with their money. They're doing great things for the world with their money. These are the, these are the noble rich who are doing great things and part of the kingdom of heaven. But there's also on the flip side, there are poor people who are angry and bitter chafing at anybody who has more than themselves. Remember, the sin of envy is sorrow at the good of another. It's sorrow that you don't have the house. You hate them because they're so popular. You hate them because they have so much material wealth. That's envy. That's sorrow. That's a sadness. And it pollutes us. It destroys us. It undermines everything that we do. So it isn't good enough just to be poor. It's the poor in spirit. That's where we have the right track. So watch out for the notion that the, that the rich are bad and that the poor are good. Jesus doesn't enter into class warfare. That's not how he sees things. He's calling all of us to be humble, to have the humility of heart. Now in Jeremiah, our first reading today, we find a challenge to our relationships. Cursed is the man who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, and his heart is turned away from the Lord. What does it mean to trust in human beings at the expense of trusting in God? Because even good relationships have to be based on the truth and lived out in love. That's what it has to be. But also you'll find that relationships with wicked people 
will tend to be shallow. You can't bring up fundamental issues. You can't deal with the deep moral issues. And in the end, those, those relationships, if we're really close with people who are really wicked, they'll either be corrosive or destructive in some way. They won't bear fruit. Watch out for that. I used to know a fellow who loved to hunt ducks. I like to hunt ducks too. But on every moral issue, we were at a complete obstacle. We had no common ground at all. And he had everything in ducks. He had duck telephone, he had duck slippers, he had duck paintings, he had everything in ducks. We couldn't talk about any fundamental moral issue because the problem was deep down in his moral view of the world. He was living in darkness. He was walking in darkness. And he wasn't, he wasn't about to change. So our, our friendship was only superficial, very light, on the top, little bit about ducks. You couldn't go below the surface. You couldn't really make a true friendship. Watch out for the friendships that have to be superficial because you have no common ground down below. If you try to bond tightly with someone who's walking in darkness, be careful. If you're not lifting them up, they could be dragging you down because these are corrosive things. They'll undermine your faith, undermine your attitudes. They'll undermine all that you stand for. If you're a boss in a company, if you're setting up your department, if you're setting up your whole company, your inner core has to be people who are the right moral attitudes. If you have people who are, geez, he's so smart, I just have to hire him. He's walking in darkness, but I have to hire him because he's so smart. Don't do it. You'll hurt yourself. There's no common ground. Doesn't work well. You might find some slight benefits, but at the very core, bad decisions will be made because at root there's selfishness. I met one young man who was terribly pro-abortion, misusing women all the time. Smart, bright, affable. You'd think, geez, he'd be a great employee. Don't do it. This, all of these things, if he's selfish in all of these ways, he'll be selfish when it's most important. And it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt you and your company, your department, whatever it is you're doing. Look to the soul. Look to the heart. Look to the character. That's where true friendships are made. And if we relate deeply with people who are walking in darkness, it's going to be corrosive to us. It's going to wear down, shallow at best, corrosive at worst. Watch out for that. So these are challenges to all of us. Ultimately, we've probably all seen people who are narcissistic. They really just love themselves. They're in love with themselves. They're seeking only themselves. They might be bright and affable, successful, but watch out. It's all selfishness. Now again, in all of these things, the scriptures today are going to tell us to watch out for bad behaviors, going to challenge us to watch out for bad relationships. But at core, Jesus' words to us are to challenge our bad attitudes. So what can we do about this? Here's what I'd like to think about doing. Choosing to be poor in some way. To live below your means instead of above your means. Because we tend to depend on material things. And a voluntary poverty is a perfect environment to choose to trust God rather than ourselves. Live below your means. Think about that. Choose to be hungry. That is, choosing not to live for maximum pleasure, but for maximum holiness. It's a different way. Choose to weep for your sins. This grows out of prayer. Not just saying prayers for myself and the things that I want, but a prayer that enters in to the mysteries of Jesus, to his passion, his sufferings, his death and resurrection, which he endured for us and because of our sins. So if we weep for our sins, it's because we've come to know him in his passion. Choosing to live for the Lord so boldly, so radically, that we actually deserve to be persecuted 
by those who are walking in darkness. There's a huge spiritual clash. It's in the world, it's been there all the time, certain ages more so. This is one of those ages. The light is in the world. The light is in you. And your light has to shine out into the darkness so that many people will find their way and discover the path. But the conflict is right now. It's in us, it's in the world. So this is our time to shine. This is our time to be friends of Jesus. This is our time to have that right attitude. So rejoice and leap for joy. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven.